I know statistics aren't very, aren't very exciting, but, but let me share these with you and, and see if you resonate with any of these. So the Cleveland Clinic came out with this study, and in their study they said this, that about 70,000 thoughts per day is the average human brain has. Now, if you're a woman in the room, I know you're thinking my husband definitely does not have 70,000 thoughts per day. But this is an average, and that's a different message for a different day. Um, and so about 70, now here's where things get even a little more interesting, because according to this study done in the National Science Foundation, about 80% of our thoughts are negative. Now, if you're doing the math right now, let me save you the time. That's 56,000 thoughts per day that we have that are negative, if we're following the math. 56,000 thoughts per day are negative. Now, here's where things get even worse, because the study goes on to say this, that 95% of our thoughts that we have are repetitive. That means 56,000 thoughts a day in your mind going over and over and over again that are negative. That, that, that means that, that from the time many of us wake up to the time many of us go to bed, all we're doing is rerunning in our minds negative thoughts over and over. Now, obviously, this is troubling to me, and it should be to you, because we know that from our thoughts flows our heart, from our heart flows our actions, from our actions flows our lives. This has an impact on how we're living our lives. So it's important, and maybe even you're sitting here in this room today, and you'd say, I get it, because I, I felt this maybe lack of hope or, or joy or peace in my own life. And I get what this does to you when, when we get trapped in these, these cycles. And if that's you, I just want to say this. I don't have all the answers, and I may not have your answer, but I do have a answer, an answer that I, I think can help anyone in this room, whether you're a Christ follower and have been coming to church for a long, long time, or whether maybe this is your first time in this place and you're still questioning all this stuff and unsure. Even if that's you, I think I have some answers that can help us out. I have an answer that I believe can not only change our, our thought process, but can change how we live altogether. And I'm taking this answer out of Psalm 136. So if you have your Bibles, flip to Psalm 136 or your smartphones or just Google Psalm 136. It'll pop up. And this psalm, it was, it was written as a responsive reading or a responsive song with a congregation. The thought would have been, that the, the leader of the congregation would begin with a statement and the congregation would then respond by, by uh, responding to the statement. And so just humor me, let's try this out. The first three verses of Psalm 136, I will begin and then you will respond. Let's try this. Uh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Very good, very good. Give thanks to the God of gods. And give thanks to the Lord of Lords. Now you're noticing after just three verses, there's a bit of some repetition, isn't there? I tell you that because 
in Scripture, when you are reading Scripture, here's a rule of thumb for you. If something is repeated more than once, it's usually because there's great significance. It's usually because it's important. It is worth stopping and paying attention to, especially if it's repeated more than once. And not only are these statements repeated more than once, you can see even just in the first three verses, first three verses, the repeating themes, the first theme is to give thanks. This theme to give thanks is repeated 12 times in Psalm 136, 12 times. And then, and then the psalmist here, he goes on to, to give us the reasons why we should give thanks. And so he, he responds, and, and in doing this, he ends each stanza with his faithful love endures forever. This statement is repeated 26 times in Psalm 136. This repetition that you can see that happens over and over and over, it happens because it's important. It happens because it is worth paying attention to, and it happens because you and I need this repetition in our lives. This is the kind of repetition we need. And while I don't know exactly who wrote Psalm 136, I think we can know exactly why Psalm 136 was written. In fact, this author has this to say, that the hymn here, it calls on the worshiping congregation, you and I, to give thanks to the Lord who has shown his steadfast love throughout the history of God's people. So this psalm was written to help worshipers, you and I in this room today, turn from themselves and turn their perspective to something that's so much greater than them. It's to turn your perspective from your own inward thinking to thinking outward. It's to turn your perspective into your small, closed-off area of just you, and it extends it out into an area that is much bigger where we can begin to see a perspective from God's point of view, not just ours. And in doing this, the psalmist leads them through several ways that they can um, give thanks, that several reasons to give thanks throughout God's the history of God's character and his care for our lives. And so as we look at Psalm 136, there's really four kind of categories of giving thanks. Let me highlight these for you. The first category that we should give thanks for is to God being a creator, the creator God. In fact, uh, just listen to the next group of verses that, that highlight this. It says this, Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day, his faithful love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule the night, his faithful love endures forever. Here we see this gratitude for creation and not just creation because when we get overwhelmed with the beauty of creation, when we get overwhelmed with those things, that is just a reflection of the great, great creator. We to give thanks to God who is the creator. In fact, I, I bet if you just took a moment to think, you could imagine a time you've been overwhelmed with creation. Maybe it was staring into the flames of a fire and being just captivated. Maybe it was 
seeing a sunrise or a sunset or the color of the changing leaves or, the, or a fresh-packed snow. Maybe it was the sound of an ocean crashing against the waves or the sound of a small child laughing. Maybe it was the smell of New Horizons Bakery as they opened up their vents and you drove past. You know that smell. Oh, so good. When I'm reading scripture, I am constantly, constantly thinking about what do I smell? What do I see? What do I hear? What can you taste? This God is an amazing creator. And he created those things for us. And they are worth giving him thanks for. But the psalmist says, okay, yes, thank God the creator. But then he goes on to say, we should thank God who is a deliverer. In fact, at this time, God literally had delivered his people from these powerful Egyptians. We see this in verse 16. It says, give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. He literally was delivering them through the wilderness. And it causes me to go, okay, maybe we're not walking through the same kind of wilderness they are, but what wilderness are we walking through or are you walking through? Is it the wilderness of addiction, the wilderness of disease, the wilderness of anxiety or depression? Is it the wilderness? Who knows? There's a, there's a hundred of them. What wilderness are you walking through and what has God done to deliver you. And if you're here and you go, you know what, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what God's done to deliver me. Then let me tell you this. If you are a Christ follower, if you have given your life to him and made him the leader of your life, then he has delivered you from death itself. You are no longer a slave to sin. You've been set free. He has delivered you. I, I, lo I love this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's the story of this king of Judah. His name is Jehoshaphat. I know not a great name, but that's what it is. And he was going to battle. And things were not looking good for the king. And he knew they weren't looking good. In fact, in, in chapter 20, um, it tells us that the king was terrified, it says. He was scared. He knew he was in trouble. Things weren't looking good. And so, as the battle came near, he, the, the king, he gathered up his worship leaders, right? And he, and he put all of the worship leaders in front of the army to sing as they marched. And this is the coolest thing. This is the coolest thing, because as they marched and the worship leaders sang, you know what song they sang? Psalm 136, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever, they sang. And what's cool is the verse 22 is the best part because it tells us this. It says, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of their enemies to start fighting amongst themselves. By the time the king got to the battlefield, his arm, the armies of his enemy were dead. Every single person, they'd killed themselves. This, this giving thanks isn't just a nice notion that we should do. This is of vital importance because giving thanks holds power. It holds importance. It literally can change the battles in our life. Whatever you are facing, whatever armies are surrounding you, we should give thanks to God who is the great Deliverer. 
He's a creator, he's a deliverer, but then the psalmist goes on to say that he's also a provider, a provider. In fact, he uphold his promises to these people in the land, and it goes on to say this, that God gave them the land of their kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. You know, God doesn't always give us what we want, does he? No, otherwise I would have been a Powerball winner last week. I, was, I wanted that bad. He doesn't always give us what we want. And that, isn't that probably a good thing? Because God sees things we don't see. He knows things we don't know. It, but although he doesn't give us everything we want, he does give us everything that we need. In fact, let me, let me highlight this for you. Here's a couple of, of verses to prove my point. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us he provides a way to endure temptation. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 tells us he provides everything we need to do every good work for him. James 5, 15 tells us he provides us with forgiveness. John 14, 26 tells us he provides us with an advocate, one who stands with us, represents us. The, it goes on and on and on. These are just a few of his provisions in our lives, things that we need. He is so generous with, you know, God's provision in our lives are worth taking a moment to say thank you to him for. It's worth it. So yes, God is the God of creation. We thank him for that. He's a deliverer. He's a provider. But then the psalmist says one more thing. He says that he is a God of constant care. We should thank him. For his care. In fact, look at all the ways God showed care to his people in this psalm. Uh, he says, He remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. So give thanks to the God of heaven for his faithful love endures forever. I'm telling you, it is often during times of struggle, it's often during times of hardship in my life that I have seen God's care the most. That is when his care just shines. In fact, one of the verses that I cling to in my own life is Psalm 34, 18. It says, God is close to the brokenhearted. He's with those whose spirits are crushed. That means he's with me. He cares about me. He knows me. And he loves me. It is God's closeness. It's his presence and his care in my life that gives us reason to stop and thank him today. Incredible. He's a creator. He's a deliverer. He's a provider. And he cares for each one of us. All things to praise him for. I can't help but imagine in, at, at this time there would have been some in this congregation that would have walked into the temple and they would have walked into the temple with fear and anger and anxiety and hopelessness and discouragement and then they would sing this song. And when they sung this song, they would leave changed. They would leave the, uh, with a different perspective in mind. In fact, I wonder if you're here today and you've heard just even in the past few minutes hearing some of these things, you, your perspective's starting to shift just a little bit. Can you just breathe? Doesn't it feel good? Doesn't it feel good? Uh, these people would have left a different person. The, uh, 
they, they, would, have, they would have been filled with now with, with hope and peace and joy. The exciting thing is, is that you and I, you and I can experience the exact same thing in our life. We, we can possess the exact same things. We can have a perspective change where we go from being consumed with ourselves and our negative, repetitive thoughts to ones that we're, we're, we have thoughts of peace and joy and love that we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. We, we can change our perspective. Psalm 136 highlights for us exactly how we can do this. In fact, it's an instruction manual. And if we summed it all up in two words, it would simply be this, just to give thanks. Give thanks. We're less than two weeks away from Thanksgiving, right? Where there's, where there's one thing that's very extremely important for us to remember. That is that, that, that pecan pie and pumpkin roll are the greatest things to ever be invented on the face of this earth. But the second thing is equally as important. That yes, we gather on Thanksgiving to what? Reflect and give thanks for all that God has done from our families to our friends to, to the food around the table, the roof over our head, our job, a country rooted in freedom. All of these big things and little things, hundreds of things every single day that comes from God in heaven, we stop to give him thank, uh, thankfulness to. If this is important enough to do, to take one whole day to do that, then I, gotta, then I gotta ask, why do we only do it one day a year? What happens to the other 364 days a year when we're constantly focused on what we don't have or what we wish we had instead of what we do have? It, it's no wonder that we walk around, right, with this, 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 this just negative override most of the time. It's no wonder you walk around and you go, I'm just tired and frustrated and angry all the time. It's no wonder. It, this is why we're in need of a perspective change. It's why this psalmness in Psalm 136 here, he repeatedly instructs us to give thanks because giving thanks shifts our gaze from ourselves to the giver of all good things. It shifts our entire perspective from this poor me mentality to no, no, a mentality of amazement of our great, great God and what he has done. This is the key way you are going to transform your thoughts and your perspective, and it's ultimately going to transform your lives. It starts here. Give thanks. In fact, Jesus knew the importance of giving thanks. I, I absolutely love that he even took it one step further for us. Let me, let me nerd out for just a minute. If you're a nerd, then you're going to love this. But let, give me a second. This Greek word, thanksgiving, is a word that, means, that, that is pronounced eucharistio. Eucharistio means thanksgiving, okay? Now, when you hear this word, if you think of the Lord's Supper or communion, you're, you're spot on. In fact, it's in Luke 22 that Jesus says this, that he took some bread, this is Jesus, and he gave thanks to God for it. It says that he eucharistus to God for it, right? And then he broke it into pieces and he gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he walks them through that. I, I, I love this author, Ann Voskamp, she captures what's happening here when Jesus 
is using this word eucharistio. So again, let me nerd out for just a minute. Here we go. The root word of eucharistio is a Greek word, charis. That means grace. Okay? Jesus took the bread and he saw it as grace and he gave thanks. He took the bread and knew it to be a gift and gave thanks. Eucharistio, thanksgiving, envelops charis, grace. But it also holds the derivative, she said. This is the Greek word kara, meaning joy. So what's happening here is grace brings thanksgiving, which brings joy. Jesus expands the word of thanksgiving for us by attaching himself to it. He offers us, you and I, pure grace that we can receive in thankfulness and enjoy. And this isn't a gift that's just to be unwrapped after we die. This is a gift that can be unwrapped today, and it has the power to transform us from the inside out. This grace has the power to transform negativity to joy. It has the power to transform hopelessness into hopefulness, and ultimately it has the power to transform death into life. This is This is why it serves as another reminder of what can happen when we change our gaze from ourselves to God and we receive all that he has to offer us. It's how thanksgiving can truly, truly be the antidote that we need for our negative, repetitive cycles. It's thanksgiving. We just finished... Acts chapter, uh, or Acts chapter 28, the whole series in Acts, we followed Paul, right? The life of Paul and the life of the church as it grew. And in, in this, Paul wrote several letters and he wrote to several churches. One of those churches was a church in the city of Thessalonica. He wrote 1 Thessalonians. And it's in his letter to this church that Paul says these words. He says, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. If you've ever wondered, what is God's will for my life? Paul spells it out here for us. He says it's to always be joyful, never stop praying, and be thankful in all circumstances. Now, wait, 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 wait. Paul Paul must have messed that up a little bit. Thankful in most circumstances, right? I mean, there's some that are really hard to be thankful in. No, no, no. He says, be thankful in all, all circumstances. Even the hard ones? Yes, even the hard ones. Why? Because we know that in all things, especially the bad things, God God will use it for his good. Now hear me, it doesn't mean that the things that happen will be good. It says that God will use it for his good and ultimately for our good. Sometimes it takes the hard things in life to to show us certain things we wouldn't see or we wouldn't understand in times that weren't struggles. So we can be thankful. We're thankful even when it's hard because when we are, when we are, when we shift our gaze from ourselves to God, when we, when we shift our gaze from our own selfish, prideful perspective to a perspective of an amazing God who's a creator, who's, who's a provider, who cares for us, 
when we shift our gaze to that God, man, our perspective changes. We can change the statistics. We don't need to be stuck there. It's when Psalm, when the psalmist wrote this psalm, he wrote it for a group of people to sing because he knew this was the place negativity was going to go to die. And he wrote it for these people to sing so that they could give thanks to God, both for his character and for, for his care. And so we want to end our time this morning by, by singing together and doing exactly that. And as we do, I want to open up this time of prayer and, and give you an opportunity to pray. Now, if you're saying, I'm not sure what you want me to do here, Charles, let, let me help you. Let me help you. Maybe just from where you're seated right now, just in your own mind. Can you, can you pray this? Thank you, God, for being my creator, for creating me in your image. For I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Can you just take a second and pray this right from where you're seated now? Or how about this? Can you say, Lord, thank you for how you've made me. For my value and my worth come from belonging to you. It doesn't come from this world. It comes from you. Thank you, Lord. Can you, can you thank him for that today? Can you say, thank you for allowing me to experience the wonders of your creation? For it points me to your majesty and goodness. What are the things that you can see, taste, smell, and hear? Can you thank him today for those things? Or perhaps today you thank the God for being your deliverer. Can you say thank you for the ways you have brought me through hardships in my life. Maybe he's with you right now as you're journeying through something difficult. Can you thank him for his presence? Can you thank him for delivering you from your old way of life where you were once a slave to sin and shame and fear and guilt, but now you are not. You have been set free because you are a new creation in Christ. Can you thank him for that today? These are all things worth giving thanks for. So I just want to stop for a moment. Could we stand together and let's give thanks to God now for these things.